So uh, we're going to talk about humble this morning and uh, that phrase that God's been giving us more in 24. And uh, talking about being humbled, let me ask you, how many of you fell during the ice storm? You can raise your hand. Oh my gosh. Let, let's do this. If you fell, stand up. If you raise your hand, stand up. Oh my gosh. Stand up if you fell. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right. Kind of humbling. I was um, a guy with a four-wheel drive truck, drove me here last week, and, and you know, it was, was, weather wasn't that bad, but good that we canceled church, but then I got home, and his truck has that bar where you step on it, getting out of the truck, and I just kind of went, you know, <laughs> down on the driveway, and um, I'm sad to say I fell a few more times, too, um, but uh, it's humbling, and we're talking about being humbled this morning, or humbling ourselves. Sometimes it's a choice, isn't it, if we're going to humble ourselves if, or if God's going to humble us. But uh, Exodus 10, that's the very first mention of humble in the Bible, and it's about a man you probably have heard about, Pharaoh. And we read that Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said to him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. And, and I think for a lot of people in our life, that's what's happening. How, how long will you refuse? A lot of people in our community, how long will you uh, refuse to humble yourself? Maybe you're someone that the question is, how long will you refuse to humble, to fully humble yourself before God and start serving him? You know, the opposite of a humble heart is a hard heart in this story. And it's a very sobering story that Pharaoh hardened his heart, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And it's so sobering that there comes a place where it says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart, or God ratified his decision, giving him a hard heart. And we don't want to uh, harden ourselves, but we want to humble ourselves. In Numbers 12, 3, it says, now Mo the man Moses was very humble. So in contrast to Pharaoh, uh, the first mentions of humble are Pharaoh and Moses. And it's interesting that Moses is the Savior. He saved Israel by the blood of the lamb. And every house that had the blood at Passover marked on the doorpost and the crossbeam, they were saved by the blood. And it's always an interesting story when I read it because I, I, you're aware that it, it didn't matter if they felt like they were saved. They might not have felt anything. And I think sometimes we put too much stock in feelings when it's really the fact of the cross. If the fact of the cross marks your life, then you're saved. And when we read about Moses, it's kind of interesting that the Old Testament would talk about this Savior being a very humble man. And in that, he's a type. All the way through, Moses is a type of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved us by the blood of the Lamb and led us out of bondage to sin and led us into the abundant Christian life. But it's interesting that Jesus, ultimately, Moses is a type of Jesus that he humbled himself. He stooped. He went low. He left heaven. 
And he came as a man to go to the cross. And another man we read about in the Old Testament, Daniel 5.22, is the uh, Persian king Belshazzar. And we read that Daniel said, but you, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Although you knew all this, there's a lot of people that know all about the things of God, but they haven't humbled their heart. And you, this is the opposite of humble in this story. You've lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. And, and this is always so powerful to, to remember, to know that the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you've not glorified, right? That's true for every one of us. God holds every breath that you ever are going to breathe in his hand. If he would remove his hand, your breath would cease. And he owns all your ways. He has these things for you. He has these ways for you, these works for you, a walk for you to walk in. And that's got to be the most incredible thing to discover. God, why have you laid hold of me? What do you have for me? And humble's a great week to be crying out for more. God, I want to know not more about you. I want to know you more. None of us arrive. You never get to a place where you arrive there's always more of God for us to, to know, to see more of his glory. And, um, you know, a lot of times when uh, I read this story about um, God telling Belshazzar, Daniel telling Belshazzar that he's not glorified God, it answers a question of what is the purpose of life? That's a question that everybody is asking and you could answer that maybe in the New Testament. You could say, well, it's to love God with all your heart, and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. That would be a very good answer, what the purpose of life is. Another answer would be uh, the purpose of life is to know God. That's the purpose of life, to know God. To know him as a child, to know him as a teenager, to know him as a college student to know him as a young married, to know him in your, in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s or whatever you're going through. God wants you to know him. Everything in life is supposed to cause you to need God. To know God and then we read from our text to bring glory to God. That's, that's the purpose of life, to, that you can figure out how your life can bring God glory. How, God, how can I bring you glory? And uh, Belshazzar, even though he knew these things, he wouldn't humble himself, and um, he, he wasn't glorifying God. And in and, and Daniel 10, a little further, Daniel tells us about a different type of fast as we enter into this week of fasting and I, I know that um, many of you know what your week is going to look like. And it's, it's okay not to know what your week is going to look like still. In fact, a lot of times when we start the week, we may be thinking, oh, yeah, um, I'm going to be doing these things, and I'm not giving up coffee. And, I'm, you know, and we kind of decide what we are going to give up, not giving up. And it may be the first day God speaks to you and says, no, uh, you are giving up coffee this week, or, or you are going to water fast for this many days, or, or no, you, you know, this is what your fast is going to look like. And I would just encourage you, I found in the years... Uh, past, just hold it lightly. Maybe that you're putting too much on yourself. There was a young man in our church, and it was first time fasting, and he actually called me yesterday. He's moved away, but he said, um, I'm doing a seven-day water fast. 
And I was like, whoa, that's, that's going to be hard. He did a seven-day water fast. Big cowboy. He said, on the eighth day, he goes, I'm eating a steak. First thing when I end my fast. And I was telling him, oh, you might, might. And he ate a steak, and he was fine, you know. And, uh, but, you know, we, we hold lightly what our fast is going to look like. And, and Daniel had learned in his position in the government that he fasted this way. He had, still had to work. And he said, I would eat no pleasant food, no meat, known as a, a Daniel fast, or wine, came into my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all till three weeks were fulfilled. So it might be that God will show you there's certain things to eliminate from your life this week. And the beauty of fasting together, something is that it, it draws us all into the week of fasting together. Hey, I'm not going to eat sweets. Hey, I'm going to stop scrolling this week. Going to turn the TV off all week, and instead of watching TV, I'm going to come tonight prayer. Whatever it is that God gives you for the week, that's going to bind us all together. And uh, do you have to be fasting to come and pray all week? No, it's a, it's a, it's a prayer retreat all week. But I do think fasting is a, a, is a way that God really knits us all together. We're all mindful that we're in this together this week. And it's interesting as Daniel was fasting that this angel came to Daniel. And he, Daniel tells us, he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. This interests me. That Daniel's fasting and praying and, and this angel, we're going to read in a minute, was immediately sent. And the first thing the angel is to tell Daniel is that he's greatly beloved. You know, I think if an angel came to you this week, the first thing God would want you to know is how loved you are. And boy, you talk about contrasts. The opposite of the God who loves you is Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren. And he just condemns you day in and day out. He wants to nullify the work of Christ in your life. That's his goal. To get you to believe the work of Christ didn't happen where he can just bang on you and pound on you and pound on you and you're not this and you're not good enough that and you don't do this enough and you don't pray enough and you don't read enough and you don't work enough and you're nothing enough, you're nothing enough and he just condemns us. When the truth is, the truth is God just greatly loves you. And then he said to me, verse 12, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand. Right? The very first day he started fasting and praying. Things started happening. From the very first day you set your heart to understand. That's what we want to do this week is just have a heart to understand. Lord, I want to understand what you want me to understand. From the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Understand, the scriptures tell us God hears the prayers of the righteous. From the first day your prayers were heard. And I have come because of your words. It's interesting that angels are dispatched all through the Bible, cover to cover, when people pray. When people pray, God starts moving. When people pray, angels are dispatched. Little prayer in your life, little moving of God. 
Much prayer in your life, much moving of God. Little prayer in our church, little moving of God. Much prayer in our church, much moving of God. And from the first day, the angel was sent because of your words. And he said to me a second time, oh, man, do you not realize how greatly beloved you are? Like, you are the object of God's love. Susie and I are grandparents, and it's just in a brand new way. It is just overwhelming, the love we have for this child. It's, it's almost too much. And isn't that just the heart of God? We just aren't aware of how greatly beloved we are. Almost like, like one of the chief things God would want us to know this week is how beloved we are, and that we're not to live in fear. And the opposite of fear is peace to you, Daniel. The opposite of a fearful, crippled life is a peaceful life. Peace be to you. Be strong. Don't, don't you know the Lord wants to strengthen you this week? I mean, out of all the things that are going to happen, God is going to strengthen you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. And Second Chronicles, as we talk about this week of humble, we probably all know, if my people, right? I guess there is an if. Not all people will humble themselves in a, in a, a, a week like this. But if my people who are called by not my name will humble themselves, what, what would it look like for you to humble yourself this week? You know, it doesn't have to look like it looks for anybody else. It just needs to look like what God wants it to look like for you. If my people will humble themselves, and then we, we learn some of our part in humbling ourselves, and pray and seek my face, That's powerful. If you would, this week, if you would pray, but really seek God's face. Nothing distant about it. You know, with our, our granddaughter, it's an amazing thing how you just get right down in her face and she touches my beard and just smiles when I get that close to her. And don't you know, God wants you to get that close to him. Just touching him, and he's touching you. And if you'll seek my face and turn, so this would be our part. But this is what humbling ourselves look like. Lord, is there anything wicked in my life? Could it be that a week of humbling yourself could be really healthy, that you might be able to hear things you can't hear in what your normal prayer life, your prayer routine, your, your intimacy with God looks like? That's, that's the heart of the week of humble. It's just that throughout the week, Lord, is there anything that's not right? Is there anything wrong? Is there anything that needs to stop? So that's our part. Then is his part. I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive. Any way you've sinned, there's forgiveness. I'll heal. And we go to another passage, Ezra. Then I proclaimed a fast. So that's what we're doing, proclaiming a fast, a corporate fast at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. So that, that's what we're doing this week is we're just humbling ourselves. Lord, what's the right way for me? 
We all need to know that. Whatever season in life you're in, you need to know that what God's way is for you, for your family. You know, it's just so normal that as parents and grandparents, we carry our children and, and grandchildren in our heart. And verse 22, the hand of our God. This is what happened when there was a corporate fast. The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him. That's what's going to happen this week. I, I, there's something so powerful about the hand of God that you read here in Nehemiah and Ezra. The hand of God, right? David said that God created the heavens and the earth with just, it's just the work of his fingers. That's how powerful that hand is. And when we uh, seek him like this, the hand of God is upon all those. We'll read more about the hand of God in a minute who seek uh, for good, who seek him, but his power and wrath are against those who forsake him. If you turn your back on God, then his power, his wrath is on those who forsake him. And so we fasted and entreated our God. That's something we need to remember. We're fasting and praying. You're not just fasting and miserable. Like, why am I doing this again? Why am I having no sweets? Why am I having no chocolate? Why am I having no coffee or whatever God puts on your heart? Why am I not eating food or meat or meals? It's I'm entreating God. I'm fasting and praying. And uh, Ezra tells us, and he answered our prayer. When people fast and pray, God answers. I saw a vision last night at our prayer meeting, and I saw this person, and they were just walking against a wall and just hitting their, their face, just walking, just, they're just trying to go forward, and just walking and walking, and there was a wide open door right next to them. But it's like all they've been asking is this, I want this, I want this, Lord, would you do this, Lord, would you do this, Lord, would you do this? No, he's not doing that. He just needs to adjust you a little bit. The door's wide open right here. But it, it happens in, in a, a week like this where we discern, you know, I've been asking the wrong thing or I've been wanting the wrong thing. It's actually not God disappointing me. I've actually not been in tune with him. In Psalm 119, verse 71, it says, it is, the psalmist says, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, or it could be translated, humbled. That I, that I may learn your statutes or learn your word. And the psalmist realized it's actually good, God, that you're allow, you've allowed this to happen to me and I've been humbled. And I'm now I'm learning your word. Maybe you're in a situation coming into humble that you, you have been humbled. And it's a time to, to, to turn to the word of God and learn the word of God and start reading. Last week we read of Nehemiah fasting and their corporate fast looked like for a quarter of the day they read God's word. And then a quarter of the day they worshiped and confessed sin. And I would encourage you, if you do have more time this week, spend more time in the word. If you're not in the word, Maybe, you know, we're in Luke 18. Maybe start reading Luke and catch up to us so you'll be ready next week when we're back in Luke. Or maybe the start the New Testament. Maybe this is a week that you'll read books at a time that God will lead you to. Psalm 119.67, before I was afflicted, same thing, it could be translated humbled, 
Before I was afflicted or humbled, I went astray. But now I closely follow your word, right? God was so faithful to humble me the way he's humbled me. And he's got me back on track that his word is a daily part of my life like Josh sang about today. Isaiah 57, 15 is another verse I want to put before us. For this is what the high and exalted one says. I want to listen to what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, he's eternal, whose name is holy. That's why the angels sing, holy, holy, holy. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The angels are worshiping his holy name. I live in a high and holy place, right? We can picture God on his throne, a high and holy place. But... Also, I dwell with the one who's contrite, which uh, means bruised or crushed or discouraged or broken, right? If you're someone that you're bruised or crushed or discouraged or broken, God says, I also am very close in dwelling with that person who's contrite and humble or lowly in spirit, to revive. That's what God is going to do this week. To revive the spirit of the lowly, the humble. To revive the heart of the contrite. Revive means to give life or to make alive. He's going to refresh us. He's going to restore us. For some, he's going to rebuild. For some, he's going to make you whole. Micah 6.8, another verse to put before us today. Many of us know Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. That's a question we all want to know. Lord, what what do you want of me? And Micah answers, but to do justly. Right? That's really all God wants for you. He just wants you to do what's right. And he, sometimes he has to show us that, you know what, that's not right. And that's, that's, we make it too hard sometimes that God just wants us to live our lives. Lord, is this right? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I always think of this verse, whenever I try to do what's right, I fail. And I end up loving mercy, Right? I want to do what's right, but I don't always do what's right. I want to say what's right, but I always don't say what's right. I want my motives to always be right, but my motives aren't always right. I want to always act in a way that's upright, but I don't always do. And it causes me to love mercy. You know, oh Lord, you're so merciful. And, and too often we want justice for others, but mercy for ourselves. And we need to learn to, to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, Jesus said, for they'll, then God will be merciful to you. But the more I try to do what's right, I end up just, oh, I'm so thankful for God's mercy. And it just causes me to walk humbly with God. And then Luke 18, that's where we are as a church. This is where we left off. Whoever exalts himself, you lift yourself up, God will see to it that you're humbled. If you humble yourself, God will lift you up. And and 1 Peter talks about this. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, God resists 
the proud, or it could be he opposes the proud. Right? Whenever you're the person in the conflict that you're the proud person, God is opposed to you. God is resisting you. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Whenever you're the person in the conflict or the trouble or the the disagreement and you'll just humble yourself, there'll be the favor of God on your life. Therefore, humble yourself under the, here it is again, the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you. He'll lift you up in due time. And uh, we were praying for Josh um, uh, last or, uh, backstage, and we were just praying over Josh. Josh, you haven't put yourself here. You didn't make this happen. This isn't you, you know, getting up on stage. God opened this door for you. God is lifting you up. God is giving you this opportunity in due time. And verse 7, it's interesting here that Peter tells us something about uh, humbling ourselves before God that maybe we don't always think about. It involves casting all your care upon him. Right? When we humble ourselves, when we're going low, a lot, of the, a lot of the reasons sometimes we are low is because there's things crushing us. Weight that we're not supposed to be carrying. The um, old English word for care or worry means to strangle. Sometimes there are things that are strangling the life out of us, and we gotta, we got to... Cast those things onto the Lord. Lord, I'm not meant to carry this. This is choking me. Every day, there it is, crushing me, choking me. And the thing about cast, cast involves releasing it. Maybe that prayer wall could even be the fulfillment of that. I'm going to... I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to, this is crushing me. I'm, and my, maybe your, your step of faith to let go of it is to write it down and put it on the prayer wall. Like, I'm letting go of that. Sometimes I feel like I play catch with God. I, I let go. It's like back on me. You know, I let go. It's back on me. Sometimes all throughout the day, it's like, Lord, I, I'm casting that on you. It's back on me, crushing me again. And you, you learn to be in communion with God. Just, no, Lord, you're carrying that. I can't carry it. James 4, 6. And it's interesting, this word that God's giving us for 24. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists, or we said already, opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. But this is so interesting that there's more grace. Grace means favor that you don't deserve. God has more favor for you. You know, when we talk about grace in Ephesians 2, and there might be somebody listening this morning, there might be somebody here this morning that, that of all morning, this is the verse that you need to pay attention to, but God, that's, that's how all of us are saved, but God. Because it says there that we're all, we've all sinned, we're all dead to God, doing our own thing. The world is just pushing us along. And Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, that because of our sin, God's wrath is on us. And that's how our eternity is going to be spent. Sinners separated from God under his wrath. That's the but God. But God. 
who is rich in mercy, and we become rich in mercy to others because of his great love with which he loved us. This is talking now, Paul is talking back about the cross. The cross is where God demonstrated his love. He died for all of our sins there, proving that he loves us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And then a couple verses later, for by grace you've been saved through faith. That is through faith in Jesus. You don't deserve it. Grace is favor that you don't deserve. And that's the only way any of us can be saved is that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. God's favor has provided Jesus Christ. And by faith you're saved, not of yourselves. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. It's a gift of God not of works. There's nothing you can do to be good enough to be saved. It's simply turning to Jesus, turning to the work of the cross, putting your faith in Jesus that he died for all of your sins. And when you put your faith in him, he takes all of your sins and he gives you his righteousness and you're saved. It's a gift. It's God's favor. But I, I, we go into that just a little bit because of what James says. He gives more grace. There's more. God has more for us. Not just more in 24. Always. There's always more. More favor. Boy, this week I encourage you to ask for more grace. More favor on my life. More favor on our family. More of your favor on our church. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace as we, it's, we can expect it as we humble ourselves this week. There's another verse I think of when I think of more, and it's the Hebrews 4.16 verse, and we're just about finished. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come, this is what we're going to be doing all week. Let us, Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace. There's a throne of more. There's more favor for you if you'll visit, if you'll frequent the throne of grace that we may obtain. Here it is again, mercy, because I want to do what's right, but I don't always do what's right. Every time I go before the throne, there's mercy for me for where I've failed. But then look at the rest of the verse. We come before, we come boldly to the throne of grace. How can we come boldly to God's throne? Because of grace. Because of what Jesus did at the cross. I'm not coming in my sin. I'm coming in Christ's righteousness. That's how I can come boldly. And if I have messed up again or failed, there's mercy for me. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I failed. Lord, forgive me. I can sense it, Lord. I've done the wrong thing. I've said the wrong thing. I've acted wrong. I'm doing wrong. I need mercy. But look what it says. We obtain mercy, but we also find God has not only mercy to forgive you. There's something more he has for you. Like we'd just be happy if he forgave us, but he more than forgives us, he has favor for us that we don't deserve. 
You know, I even think in my life, I can look back and see sometimes that I've failed in the greatest way. God has then blessed me in the greatest ways. And I've known it. God, it's your grace. I don't deserve it. I've failed. I just want mercy. And he's like, no, you're going to find I have more for you. And now we, you, we both know you don't deserve it. It's all me. And Lord, I'll use my breath to give you the glory. Right? That's one of our great prayers for this week of, of a humble is that the whole week that God's glory is central. That we would give God the glory. We would come to his throne. A couple verses that are some of my favorites I want to leave us with as this week starts, and then a couple thoughts. Some of my favorite verses, maybe they're yours too, Second Chronicles 16.9. I'm going to read it over our week. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Right? God's eyes going back and forth, back and forth. He's looking. What's he looking for? Someone who has a heart after him. And what will, he, what will he do in your life if you have a heart that's his? He'll work in a strong, powerful way in your life. In fact, maybe you even want to pray a prayer this week. God, here, here am I. God, find me, find my heart after you, that you might move strong through my life. Another verse that I'll put before us and read over the week, one of my favorites, 2 Chronicles 27, 6. So Jotham became mighty, he became strong, because he ordered his ways before the Lord. So that's what we want to do this week, right? Everything is just kind of laid open. Here's how I spend my time. These are my hobbies. These are, this is the way I live. This is our family. These are our kids. This is my work. These are our finances. This is your call on my life. This is how I'm to use my breath. Solomon said, um, Lord, teach us to number our days. God, I know I only have a, a certain number of days, and I want to order them before you. Not everybody lives that way. But we read of Jotham that he became mighty because he was willing to just put everything in order before the Lord. I just, I just want to pray that over our week, that you could just order your life before God. Another verse, 2 Chronicles 26, 15. These, these are all my favorite uh, kings of the Old Testament. Uzziah, I think of this verse probably every week of my life that Uzziah was marvelously helped by the Lord. That's language God and I use. God, you have so marvelously helped me. But then um, every one of these kings, we won't go into it today, but every one of them is a warning to us, like Uzziah. Because when he became strong in God, if you read on, he became prideful and self-sufficient. Boy, what a danger that is that God would bless us, God would use us, God would work in our lives, and then we become so strong that God can no longer marvelously help us because of our pride. 
And then another one I want to pray over our, our week. Isaiah, the story is also found in Chronicles of um, Hezekiah. Isaiah 37, 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers. The Assyrian messengers had brought this horrible letter, and Hezekiah read it. And actually, as you read um, Chronicles 2, Hezekiah and Isaiah prayed and God sent an angel that killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night because they prayed together, corporate prayer. But I, I love the Isaiah passage because it speaks to me so loudly that he spread it before the Lord. The, boy, I, I hope I can give you that the rest of your life. When the bad news comes, when the crisis comes, when the diagnosis comes, or whatever it is that you could just... Get before the Lord and just spread it out before God. God, take it. And maybe for you, this will be a week of spreading things before the Lord. And then a phrase I want to put before you. Humble and ice baths. You're like, okay, I, I want to hear where we're going with this. <clears throat> What, what is the connection between humble and ice baths? And I thought a lot about our baptismal down here, direction we might go with this, but I'm going to refrain. But I was at a friend's house this week, and um, he was talking all about ice bath, and his pool's 38 degrees, and he's just into ice baths. And you know what, conceptually, I'm into ice baths, like I, it sounds like a great idea, I'm all for the results, the inflammation, the swelling, the restoration that comes. But the more he wanted me to get in, the more I was trying to get out of it. I really, I really 38 degrees, like, yeah, you do that, I'll, I'll watch. But he was persistent. And he got me to jump in. And you know what happened when I jumped in? It was incredible. Man, I got out afterwards. My knees that hurt didn't hurt. My hip that hurts didn't hurt. My back that hurts didn't hurt. I slept so good. I felt so good. I was like, man, I'm so glad he persisted to get me to jump in. So where, where, where are we going with this, Rob? <laughs> right? It's the same with humble. It's so, so powerful. Right? Well, I, I, I agree conceptually, like this idea of fasting. I, I mean, I'm all for it. I agree with all the results. I, 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 I want to be part of a church that fasts and pray. I think we should fast and pray, but, but you're having a hard time jumping in. And I would just plead with you. You will be so met by the Lord. You'll be so refreshed. One of the, I'm on a pastor's group of all the pastors that are fasting and praying. Their churches now are fasting and praying with us. And one of the pastors last night, his fast started after dinner. And he said, I just had a vision of just diving in to the purest, freshest water. My soul is already began to swim in the presence of God. And I, I just plead with you to jump in. You know, tonight, maybe... If, maybe you could even think of this week, maybe just one morning you could come to. And, I, you know, every year I was thinking about if I should say this on the way here, but it's amazing. Every year the college students fuel that and the young people fuel that morning 6 a.m. prayer. 
But I, I just ask, if you could, would you just come one morning this week? It is the most, it's the most beautiful thing. It brings me to tears every morning when you turn off Lester and you just see a sea of red taillights come into the church. I, just, I start to just tear up almost every morning when you just see God is awakening our church. You've got to see it. You, you, I'm even wondering for the morning ones if we're even going to fit in the prayer chapel this year. And I just, I just plead with you, come to one. Come to one noon. Just, this is your church. Come to one evening. And just, just be open to what the Lord might have for you. And again, I know our schedules are different. And I know some of you might have a very demanding week, and it just needs to look like what it's to look like for you. I'll bring another a phrase before you. Parent fasting. What the heck is parent fasting? I don't know. Uh, I was uh, sending a, a text to someone, to Adam Poole yesterday, and I was telling him about our prayer and fasting, and it, it texted to Adam, parent fasting. And, it, and I started laughing. Uh, Siri gives me all kinds of wonderful things to preach when she misquotes me. There is no parent fasting. We can't fast from being parents. But in a sense, we can. It's called a getaway. And I, I would encourage all of you that are young parents, Susie and I look back, and um, you, to get away for a weekend when the kids are young. And in a sense, fast from being parents. Take a break and get alone, just the two of you, as often as you can when the kids are small. Because as you grow up, you don't ever want that love for your spouse to uh, disappear. And I would just say this with the children. Maybe you have small children and coming to anything this week just seems so overwhelming. We have, we have a young marriage group that, um, uh, you know, most of those couples aren't in our young marriage group anymore. They're all having babies now. And I just encourage you, maybe if you have small kids, maybe trade off. Maybe one, one can come one morning and the other can come the other morning. Or one can come one night and the other can come the other night so you don't miss it all together. And just in closing, I would uh, just also ask you, would you all week long be just praying? Take that card with you. Just be praying about one. Just who's your one? Lord, who's my one today? Who's one person I could bring to the prayer circle or to the prayer time? And just, just be looking all week for your one and then another word that's on my heart to speak over our, our week this week is the word prodigal. And 30 years ago when Susie and I came to Corvallis, the Lord uh, gave me this picture that there were more people that were once involved in churches in Corvallis than are going to church. I don't know if you bear witness with that. There are more people in this area that once went to the church than are going to church right now. And just have your eyes open. Have your ears open. That's just that one that you could draw. And I still, 30 years later, believe that there are board members and children's ministry leaders and youth leaders and all kinds of people that were once part of churches, but they, for whatever reason, they're prodigals. And just... Be praying if God doesn't let you bridge the gap between a prodigal 
And then the, the last thing I, I'd share, and we can have the worship team come back up. And I, I really um, wrestled with it, if I should share this, but I, I think I'm supposed to. And I went on a prayer walk as our, as our Sunday here was drawing near. I think it was on Friday. And a lot of times when I go for a prayer walk, I don't really know how long I'm going to walk. The smallest loop, or if I go to the bench, or maybe I'll go to the covered bridge on campus. And I started walking, and um, I just walked all the way downtown. It's five miles from our house downtown. And I walked downtown, and I just really wasn't sure, you know, just praying what I'm supposed to do. And I found myself at the Corvallis bus station. And I realized I've lived in Corvallis for almost 30 years, and I've never been on a bus in Corvallis. And the Lord just led me to get, get on the bus. I found the route that takes me somewhat back home, you know, as close as it goes, out, out towards uh, Philomath and 53rd. And, um, and I saw people that I don't normally see. And I saw things I don't normally see. And I just want to call you to this week as you're fasting and praying, pray about prayer walking. See if God wouldn't have you. I don't know what the weather is going to look like if you wouldn't take some prayer walks. And just be open to where God might take you. Just walk and pray. And be open if God would lead you if there's a bus stop near you. You know it's free now. They've changed it in Corvallis. Pray about it. If you have the time, maybe you'll have an afternoon or a morning. Pray about just going to the bus stop and praying and just getting on the bus. You can go the whole circuit and just come back right where you got on. And maybe God will just spread us all out over our city to meet people we don't normally meet, to invite people we don't normally, wouldn't have the ability to invite, to pray and to see things we don't normally see. But let's stop here. Let's, let's bow our heads. And would you do that? Would you just bow your head? And we'll, we'll stop here this morning. And Lord, we just now want to just corporately say that, Lord, this uh, week belongs to you. Would you just pray that? Just pray a prayer that, Lord, this week is your week. And just, just pray a prayer, would you, that, Lord, would you make it what you want it to be for me? Whether I'm just participating online only or whether you do have a morning for me to come or an, a noon or an evening or whatever, God will show you what you, just, would you just pray a prayer that, Lord, would you just order my week, what you want it to look like?